Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Inside Groove Super Modified Podcast. My name is Tom Baker, and it is great to be back with you again. This is episode 137, and I hope that uh, you all had a safe and healthy Thanksgiving. Hope that uh, you enjoyed some time with your families. Um, On this show, we are going to continue our preview of the Open Wheel Showdown that's coming up this coming weekend out in Las Vegas at the Bullring. Davey Hamilton Jr. doing a great job putting everything together. And um, we understand that um, our classic winner, Oswego Speedway Budweiser International Classic winner, Dave Danzer, has left the building, so to speak, and is on his way out there to compete in the event against the West Coast Super Modifieds. Uh, midgets and sprint cars also uh, in action this weekend. And should be a lot of fun. Excited to... Um, to see how that goes. And so we've got Mark DePasquale who's joined us. Mark is one of the um, aficionados, shall we say, of the Speed Tour, uh, which sanctions most of the West Coast Super Modified events. And Mark and I had a good conversation about the state of West Coast Super Modified racing. And um, I'm excited to bring this to you because it's a very different approach and perspective that uh, they're taking out there and so um it was it's fun to see what they're doing and uh hope that you enjoy that um we'll get to how i spent my thanksgiving a little later uh because it, it's it's always fun to talk about and uh, some of you may not even realize it exists but um we'll get to that Later on in the show, unfortunately, I want to start the show or, or feel the need to start the show on a sad note. Um, Norris McDonald, who was for many years the infield announcer at the Oswego Speedway and a car owner at the Oswego Speedway, super modified car owner, um, and at least uh, once or twice... I believe Norris actually suited up and drove the Super that he owned. And then I think he just decided that he was a better owner than driver. And so he had a number of drivers that drove his car over the years. Norris passed away at the age of 81 years old. Norris, of course, was Canadian and um, was a world-class journalist he just was he was um he wrote and edited for a number of different um publications in canada he was a brilliant storyteller um i think his last position was as editor for the toronto stars wheels section which i think amounted to automotive um, content and motorsports probably uh, at the peak of that. 
Um, and Norris just was totally into journalism, into racing, into telling great stories. And the older that I get and the more into my work that I get, the more I realize that I share a lot of that. Telling a story is the thing I like most, interviewing, talking to people. Um, Norris started his journalism career at 19 years old at the Aurelia Packet in Times and then joined the Toronto Star in 1973. Fun fact, Norris covered Evil Knievel's Snake River Canyon jump attempt um, back in the day, shall we say, his failed attempt, but nonetheless, um, and uh, wrote again for several different, uh, the Toronto Star, the Globe and Mail, the Kingston Whig Standard, um, came back to the Star in 1998 as an editor and started writing a motorsports column in 2003, became the Wheels editor for the Star in 2012, um, and uh, just reading through an article that was published in the Star about his passing on November the 28th, which would have been yesterday, um, it says that um, his partner, Susan Green, said he had time for everybody. He never wanted you to change. He just loved you, whoever you were. He never kept what he knew to himself. He, he shared it with everyone, and it built a lot of careers. Um just an amazing uh, article tribute here. Um, I'm going to uh, actually drop this uh, to drop this into Steering Wheel Nation and in, uh, in the Super Modified channel, so um, it'll be there if you want to check it out. But uh, Norris was was just so much fun, you know. When I think about when I think about his time as infield announcer. Um, he just had that Canadian sense of humor. You never knew what he was going to come out with, especially when he was doing the classic walk um, back when they used to do that. And I think I'm, I'm almost positive that Bill Foley started that. Bill was so good at it. Nobody ever did it like he did. Um, but Norris brought his Canadian sense of humor into it. I remember... Um, I think that I think it was Jamie Moore that was the old mongoose at one point. I think he called him an old mongoose, and um, and I I think he made fun of Gary Morton's fire suit at one point. I think he said something like, "You know that this is the only fire suit he's had in forty years or something." It was some sort of and and. My gosh, I mean, he would, you just never knew what he was going to say, but he was always good for a laugh. And he just loved what he was doing when he did it. When that, whatever he was doing, he, he did it at 100%. You know, um, it's kind of the analogy I often teach to people that, you know, if you have water and the water is 211 degrees, all you can say about it is it's really hot. But if you, if you turn it up one degree to 212, it boils, produces steam, which can power a locomotive. So one degree makes the difference, and Norris did everything at 212. He he, he was fully into um, 
his work, whatever it was, wherever it was, whoever he was telling a story about, whatever he was doing with the microphone in terms of, you know, reporting, he was fully into it. And, um, you know, I, I sometimes think that you don't fully appreciate what you have until it's gone. And, you know, I feel like Norris, once Norris left the position, nobody ever did it like Norris did. Again, Bill was, I think Bill was certainly, uh, to me, Bill Foley was the preeminent, but Norris was also, and, 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 and not to diminish Ritz Goldstein's role as the original infield announcer, but, um, you know, they didn't have, there just weren't things like the classic walk and all of that rich, rich. I could spend an entire show talking about rich Goldstein. Um, and, and, you know, but Norris just brought, again, it was, I think he, I, I would say he brought Canada into it. That's really, um, Canadians have a very, um, you know, a very different sense of humor and, and they're, they're just such amazingly nice people. I've never met a Canadian that I didn't like. And that's the truth. They're just very genuinely nice people. And Norris was like that. And I remember my last memory of Norris. Um, and I don't know, I think it was in 2018 or 19, whatever the classic that Tyler Thompson won, whatever year that was. Um, I was sitting in the uh, tower, in the media room of the tower, and Norris came in. I think it was that year. Um, Norris came in, and, and uh, we talked for a little while. And, and just I just remember how sharp he still was and how, um, I mean, he told a couple of stories and... Um, but gosh, when you think about Norris's time at Oswego, the imprint went way beyond his work on the microphone because he bought a car, um, and I think his first car was the, it was the, let's see, I think he bought it from Pat Murphy, and actually I think his first driver might have been himself, but then I think Dave Morton and then I think Pat drove for him a bit. Um, and the, the, the car was, uh, gosh, I don't remember. Maybe it was the old, uh, what car was that that Pat had? Was it the old Barry Can car? I think it was. It was the old Barry Can number 66. The, the original one that Barry had that I think was an old Flying Five, which would have been an old Swift car. I think that was was what he had, but he he had the car and 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 he had uh, like I said, I think Dave Morton drove for him a bit, and um, I think he took it out a time or two, and then um, he probably had more drivers than I remember in the car, but um, the biggest one that I remember is Bobby Smith, and Bobby um, by then Norris had had. I don't know whatever became of the the original car that Norris owned, but Norris bought uh, a better car, and I think it might have been maybe the old uh, Brian Herb car that Brian won his feature in. 
I'm thinking, because I think that went to, uh, who was it, Van Staley, and maybe Graham Kells drove it, and, and then, or Dave Schulich, and then Jamie Moore, and um, I think Brian, Brian got it back for a classic run and had a nice run in it. And um, and then I think Norris, I think that's the one Norris had, and Bobby drove that and just drove the heck out of it. That really, that I think that was, um, those were Bobby's, golden years so to speak were in that car he had some good runs with it um and uh norris really gave bobby an opportunity and he seized it and he just did a great job with it um you know norris's imprint on oswego speedway history will forever be remembered again in in as in multiple ways for his work on the microphone and and also his um you know, his time as a coroner, but I, more than anything else, if, if you met Norris McDonald and spent any amount of time with Norris McDonald, you just really liked Norris McDonald. And, you know, as his, his partner said, he loved everybody and he loved you as you were. And he, he just, he lived to tell stories, um, he always had a lot to say and, you know, he loved racing of all kinds, not just super modifieds, um, and was an authority on all kinds of racing. And, and, you know, to be quite honest with you, the, the Norris McDonald's of the motorsports media world are becoming fewer and fewer. The new breed of, 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 media is digitally focused and a lot of them are YouTube centric and you know it's a different brand of media it's all about clickbait and and gotcha headlines and you know not the the professionality that that um, Norris exuded and you know others like Bill Foley um, not what I learned from you know, Mike LaBeouf at the Pale Times and uh, and and so many others in the media world who mentored me over the years. And, um, you know, but Norris was, when it comes to his media work, Norris was as, as, as much a star and, and an icon as anyone. Um, but you just didn't have access to the brilliant work that Norris did unless you lived in Canada. You know, it wasn't as if he wrote for, you know, a worldwide magazine or whatever. And of course, you know, in the, in, in, for most of Norris days, there was no internet. So unless you got the Toronto star, you know, you lived in Toronto and read the star, you, you didn't really, you, you didn't know a whole lot about him. But just to give you an idea, he was a big enough icon that jsky.com, which is a NASCAR based site, had an article with quotes from NASCAR about Norris. Because, of course, when NASCAR would race in Canada, Norris was all over that. And so Norris was a very broad-based journalist. But he, I think he had a special fondness for Oswego Speedway and short track racing, in general, super modified racing, short track racing. And so it we were... 
those of us who are lucky enough to be at the Oswego Speedway and be fans or, you know, at the track every Saturday night in the, in the years in which Norris was on the microphone and owned race cars, we're very fortunate to, and if you, if you got the chance to know him at all, um, you were very fortunate because Norris was a true gentleman. He was extremely passionate about motorsports and he lived to share that passion with the world. And for Norris, uh, again, editor of a section of a, of a, of a newspaper that dealt with motorsports and cars was, you know, that was, that was perfect for him. And so, um, I hope that, uh, we will remember Norris fondly in the coming years. And, uh, cause he was definitely, uh, that, that infield announcing position. I've always said that that role could be utilized even more so than it is at Oswego. Um, and Norris would have been perfect for that because the interviews and, and helping to, to tell stories was what he was best at. And, um, you know, having some of that in between races would be awesome to me. And, and I think, you know, Norris would have been great in that role. Um, but I will always remember his sense of humor and, um, just how much of a, a genuinely nice man that he was and the, and the passion that he had for covering motorsports, which I can so relate to. Um, so want to end this opening segment with a moment of silence for Norris McDonald, who passed away at the age of 81. We will never forget Norris's imprint on the Oswego Speedway and supermodified racing and in motorsports in general. A moment of silence, and then we'll be back with Mark DePasquale after a break. Okay, folks, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors here on Inside Groove, Indy Performance Composites. They're a premier composite design and manufacturing company creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Jeff West and his team are amazing. They do all kinds of work in the motorsports industry from dirt tracks to NASCAR to IndyCar, supermodifieds. It doesn't matter. If you've got something that you need designed or fabricated, let them help you transform your idea, your vision, and your budget into a workable, high-performance solution. They have all kinds of services from 3D printing to finishing services, end-to-end -end composite solutions is what they are. Check them out, ipcindy.com or indieperformancecompositesinc.com and tell them that the folks from Inside Groove 
Welcome back to the show, and it is time for our special guest segment. Mark DePasquale is joining us now, and Mark is uh, an instrumental part of West Coast Supermodified Racing and the Speed Tour out there. This is Mark's first time on The Groove. We love first-time guests here, and I should point out that this particular segment being brought to you by Wiggity Wayne's Sauces. If you want lip-smacking hot flavors or you just want mild, Wiggity Wayne Sauces has something for you. Sauces, ketchups, rubs, all different kinds of flavors from mild to holy cow, call the fire department. Uh, Wayne Henslick and Wiggity Wayne Sauces have created some of the most amazing flavors for uh, those particular products to elevate your motorsports weekend barbecues um, and even the ones in the backyard just during the middle of the summer, you know, like 4th of July and the great occasions when you have a whole bunch of people over and maybe you just want to accidentally put some habanero ketchup on, uh, you know, your mother-in-law's uh, uh, meat there and just see um, if she likes wild or not. <laughs> um, that's, well, you got that option. com. Uh, go there and uh, get yourself a sample six-pack. Try them and, um, and then follow them on all of the social media platforms as well. Wiggity Wayne Sauces, Mark DePasquale, welcome to the Inside Groove. A little bit of uh, a clue there as to my uh, sort of offbeat sense of humor there. But um, excited to talk some super modified racing. First of all, the big open wheel showdown coming up. Um, in just a couple of weeks now. And um, this is the type of an event that we haven't seen in a good while since uh, the old Copper Classic at Phoenix. So I'm excited that Davey Hamilton Jr. told us last week that there is the, the possibility of over 20 super modifieds running in this show, including, of course, Dave Danzer, who was also on last week's show, um, our... 2023 Budweiser International Classic winner at Oswego. Um, this really seems like this is this could be the start of something really special uh, for a group of super modified enthusiasts. That really that that portion of the country was uh, nearly dormant for a while, and now it's really starting to come back. So glad to have you on the program, and I'm curious to hear what. Uh, what you have to say about uh, the super modified portion of the upcoming showdown. Yeah, really glad to be here. Thank, thank you for allowing us to join. And, you know, we're just over the moon when Davey Jr. called and asked if we wanted to be part of the uh, open wheel showdown and bring the speed tour super modifieds in. Uh, we, we couldn't say yes fast enough. So two weeks from now, I can't believe it's going to happen. Um, over a hundred open wheel cars. We are, Fingers crossed, looking to bring 20-plus uh, uh, Super Modifieds. We'll, wow. uh, we'll know exactly how many when they come through the pit gate, uh, but right now that's uh, that's our target. Well, as I mentioned, it seems like there's been a, a, a fairly speedy uh, revival of Super Modified racing out west, which excites me greatly because... Um, the more super modifieds we have racing throughout the country, the better I like it. To what do you attribute this sort of sudden resurgence, it seems like, over the last year or two of the super modifieds out there? Yeah, well, it, it's it's been a little bit longer than uh, 
than, than everybody thinks. We started this about five years ago, and the credit goes to Adam Nelson from Meridian Speedway and Kurt Kern, longtime promoter and supporter of supermodified and open wheel racing in general in the Northwest. And it, this supermodified racing, as you had identified, had, had pretty much gone dormant on the West Coast. Um, there were some races at Madeira. There were some races in, in California. There were some races at uh, in Colorado with the uh, ERA. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, the uh, the super modifieds had really become, uh, you know, plant uh, potted plants in in garages. Um, Kurt and Adam got together and started something called the Super Modified Reunion. And it was intended to bring back most of the folks who had been involved in super modified racing over the last few decades and do a little exhibition race with a couple of cars. And I think the first, uh, first race they had there had about five cars. And I had told Kurt that I wanted to try to get involved in racing. I had been a fan forever, but never really participated in, in any form. And we decided to, um, well, I had wanted to, pro- to honor my father, who was a major auto racing fan all his life, oh wow, with, with with the JP Memorial, and Kurt said, "Why don't you bring it up to Adam at Meridian?" And about five years ago, we had the first uh, JP Memorial. I think we had about ten cars, and <clears throat> the, the next couple years, we were able to grow that field and interest. And as we got more and more involved, and we saw the uh, the interest from the teams and we saw more cars coming out. We said, what do you think uh, about bringing back super modified racing in the Western region and aligning it under Adam's speed tour uh, organization? And so last year we had uh, the super modified reunion, JP Memorial, um, as well as the uh, pink lady race. We were, which is a huge race for, sprint cars, wing sprint cars at Meridian Speedway, <clears throat> and we added the Super Modifieds. We actually had two races last year, and this year we had our Super Modified reunion, the, uh, the, the JP Memorial in June, as always. We also had a two-day show in Idaho where we ran Friday at Meridian and Saturday at Twin Falls, and that was the Pat Russell Memorial race. So we were able to uh, have two races, and then we added a, uh, a race at Madeira Speedway. The Super Modifieds participated in the Harvest Classic, so Kenny Shepard was uh, was willing to lean forward and bring the Super Modifieds back after a number of years. Nice. And then Davey Hamilton um, Jr. added us to the uh, Las Vegas race. So we went from one one race with about five cars five years ago, slowly built up the uh, – the JP Memorial on Reunion Weekend as, as part of the Diamond Cup. Uh, last year we had two races, and now this year we'll have four. And we're looking to uh, to hopefully expand next year. And we're we're on the motto of slow, steady growth, and uh, and bringing cars back uh, a little bit at a time. So, combination of folks bringing their cars back, building new building new cars, new parts, new engines, and uh, a mix of the uh, the veterans and and younger talent that's coming into uh, Super modified racing, so it's it's very exciting. Well, that's really really cool. Um, so again, you had multiple races this year, and um, everything that I'm hearing tells me that um, 
the one of the things that may be helping with the growth is that you're you're kind of I don't want to say run what you brung, but um, you know you you you're you're kind of allowing open competition. How how is that being handled in terms of you know tech and whatever and um, it, how it, it seems to be working out pretty well so far? Yeah, we we absolutely are running open competition. The only thing that uh, that we, from a rules perspective or or race procedure perspective, you need to run the main event on the tires you qualify on. You you can run any tire that you like, and oh, we wow. have a series of, a series of safety rules. Uh, but you'll see the guys are running pretty large wings. Uh, they run anywhere from a, a 360 to a big block engine. Um, we're, we're not restricting or regulating any of the rules. Uh, our belief is as soon as we do that, we're, we're going to lose um, a number of cars. <laughs> Super modifieds historically on the West Coast have been a little bit of run what you run, um, and it's been working so far. I, I was remiss earlier in, in mentioning the Friday night show is part of the JP Memorial. It's the Naylor Memorial. So, you know, we try to tie the uh, the current Super Modifieds with uh, the West Coast history okay. with Pat Russell, with the Naylors, and, um, and, and the tracks that historically have run um, Super Modifieds. So Shasta Speedway is now uh, signed on to run a race next year, and we're hoping to bring a couple more into the fold. Wow. Okay. So ideally then, um, what would you like to see in terms of a race schedule, a number of races um, for 2024 then, since it seems like there's interest from new tracks and, and you know, you've had, you, I, I think this is what, four or five races this year with the showdown included. So you, you're, you're kind of on your way. What's ideal or what's the goal number for 2024? I think it's about one race a month. Okay. Uh, so one in April, one in May, June, July, August, um, September, October, uh, and then if we get invited back to the Open Wheel Showdown, I, I think that would be <clears throat> the ultimate. That would be as many as I would want to run. We'd love to run a race in the uh, Washington area to expand to the uh, to the Northwest for our Northwest um, and Canadian cars, and we'd love to run a race in uh, the Colorado Utah area for the Colorado Utah cars. You know, the goal is to have the, the local cars add to the travelers. So we're always looking to uh, to get in the 16 to 20 car range as uh, we continue to build the series back up. Now, I think I saw that there was a race in Nebraska this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, was that your group? Because that seemed like kind of a random place to hold a super modified race. Yeah, that was the ERA um, organization okay. out of Colorado that ran an exhibition race in uh, in Nebraska. And, and I think it was pretty well supported. So a lot of the guys that run with us um, also run ERA. And they went to uh, to Nebraska for, I believe, the first time and ran, a, ran an exhibition race there that uh, Chris Mueller won. That's interesting. How many cars did they bring? Yeah. I think they had in the order of 10 to 12 cars. I'm, wow. I'm not exactly sure. Interesting. 
So it seems like there's a fair amount of new interest in the supermodifieds, um, and not just sort of the old guard coming back or whatever. Um, how how is that kind of being promoted or encouraged uh, by uh, you and the folks from Speed Tour? Um, you know, to try and get new racers and new teams involved. Yeah, our our, our um, primary, I think our primary advertising right now is is word of mouth. Um, it, it's a small community, but word travels really fast. Uh, we use social uh, social network. There's a number of uh, super modified uh, Facebook pages. Yeah, and there's also the Speed Tour Facebook pages. So with uh, with a combination of that, the tracks, the the drivers all having their ability to uh, to communicate and promote, it's mostly been a grassroots effort uh, up to this point. So tell us a little bit in more detail about how you kind of came into this, because I think I heard you mention earlier that you hadn't raced anything before you got into a super modified. Is that true? That's right. Um, I, I ran a uh, enduro at oh. Baylands Raceway Park in a uh, in a '65 Dodge Dart. That is my uh, entire racing history. We didn't have <laughs> money. For, we didn't have money to uh, to race growing up. We went to uh, every racetrack there was in, in California, Nevada, uh, Arizona. Growing up, my, our family and I. <clears throat> I was the youngest, so as everybody kind of went off and did their own thing, it was my dad and I going to the. Uh, to the races, our our uh, home track was San Jose Speedway, the the asphalt speedway off the of Tully Road. Okay. And then when when it closed down, we ended up going to uh, the dirt track, and then West Capitol Raceway and Baylands Raceway Park, and became sprint car fans. And then um, we we uh, started to go to Phoenix to the Copper World Classic, and got hooked. And I met Kurt Kern, who was at that time running. NSRA and then the Western um, State Supermodified Tour, or WSST. Okay. Uh, I ended up getting transferred to Pennsylvania, got to see Oswego Speedway, which was always a dream of mine, saw the, saw the classic. Yep. Uh, Kurt, Kurt flew out. We got to see him, got kept connection with him. And I said, hey, Kurt, at some point in time, uh, I'd love to, uh, to sponsor a race. And the Copper Cup in Utah was a big race up to a few years ago when they closed the track. And I said, hey, if we could get a three, uh, a, you know, basically a, a trio of races going, the uh, the Copper Cup in Utah, a uh, a race in in on the West Coast somewhere, and a race in Meridian, we'd have three big races. We might see the uh, the supers come back. And so the first thing we did was get with Adam, tied in with uh, with a Diamond Cup that used to be a super modified race and turned into a sprint car race later, and it's still one of the uh, great weekends of open wheel racing on the West coast. And we added the supers to it with the JP Memorial um, wow. about five years ago. And it, uh, and it built from there. And so Kurt has, <clears throat> has been part of the, uh, the speed tour organization. Our, our tech director and race director is Bill Birdsell, a longtime uh, partner of Kurt's. Uh, we run everything through Adam's uh, speed tour. He has speed tour sprint cars and speed tour late models. I'm sorry, the Speed Tour Modifieds and, and now the Speed Tour Super Modifieds and um, a couple of other uh, officials that, that support Bill. Uh, and that's basically how we started. That's fascinating. So this really has been 
a uh, a grassroots effort from uh, five years ago to now. Um, and you know, I I every once in a while I see something on Facebook about something with supers out there, but it seemed like it was almost completely dead. And then for whatever reason, over this last year or so, I've started seeing much more going on. And now I understand why, because the number of races has increased. And and now with the open wheel showdown coming up, it really, I think, sets the stage for uh, even more growth in 2024. What are you hearing in terms of new teams or you know people coming in for next year is there a lot of interest at this point in time do you feel like uh you, you know you could be seeing uh a, a fresh batch of uh of new cars and drivers into the sport you know that's our that's our hope um you know t- tony thomas has, has told me he's going to build a new a new uh, super modified um i know that uh ricky Ott's son brian is having his engine completely rebuilt. So Ots, uh, the Ots race team will have two cars next year. Oh, nice. Uh, Jim Burgess has now expanded with partnership with Mike Sargent. He has two cars. He, he re- repurchased the Riddler car that, uh, that's just one of the better, one of the better cars in the area. Um, Brophy's bought a car. Um, Austin Carter's pulled his car out and ran, ran at, uh, Madeira with us. Bobby Dalton has a, uh, Effectively, a new car. Uh, Shane Vanderpool has got a has got a new car this year. So, when when you look at it, we've probably had, our, you know, over the season about 30 cars that have run, and we'll have another three or four cars that'll run with us for the first time. So there are 30 to 40 cars in the in the western region when you consider um, Colorado, Utah, Idaho, uh, Nevada, Oregon, Washington. California, and it's our goal to get 20, uh, 20 of them at any given time at the uh, at the track and make it worth their while from a from a purse perspective and easy on them from a rules perspective, so that they uh, they can in super mod racing and racing in general. Um, they're back. Um, Larry and Davey are, have got the uh, the, the traditional Trigero orange number one that uh, Davey Senior ran at Madeira and he's bringing down to Las Vegas, and and you can't have a better face of the uh, uh, of the series than than those two. So having them as part of the organization is great. Brian Schaefer's building parts out of out of Utah for the team. So Larry Trigero has building parts in uh, Central California. So now that we have folks building parts for the cars, uh, cars coming out of the garage, um, new engines being installed. Uh, we're, we're just looking to continue to uh, to refresh, and our next step will be to uh, to find a chassis builder that can build uh, new chassis like uh, like Ed Hyder did, like uh, like Malloy Silsby and and uh, and others did in the past. Yeah, that's um, you know it's interesting because uh, you know I've had discussions with folks here on the East Coast about. Um, you know, how you expand the super modified presence. And that's one of the thing, things that often comes up in conversation in terms of, you know, uh, you got to be able to have a catalog car, somebody that, that, you know, folks can call up and say, hey, want to go super modified racing? Need a car. And, um, and you get a car, um, you know, much like you would a sprint car or anything else. And that's something that's, um, 
you know, that that's sort of rare. I mean, obviously the East Coast, we, you know, uh, Joe Hawksby Jr. with the Hawk Jr. chassis, that's been the big one. And, you know, there have been others uh, over the last number of years. But, um, you know, it's it, it always helps when you have somebody who can um, can build chassis and, and sort of turn them fairly quickly as the interest grows. Yeah, absolutely. And you can add Belfiore to that, too. Yeah, Belfiore is another one, yeah. And, um, you know, his last car was just uh, sold by Jimmy White to uh, <clears throat> to the Belfiore family, which I thought was really cool. Um, but, yeah, that's the next step, right? The, <clears throat> the first step was getting the interest, getting the cars back on the track, uh, getting parts built. We, we've kind of checked most of those boxes or are in the process of checking those boxes, and the next one will be to uh, to get a chassis builder. And, you know, we'll uh, I, I fully expect – uh, Danzer to do really well this weekend, um, and it'll show that. Uh, and I don't know if he runs a, a Hawksby. Uh, he does. Chassis. Yeah. And so, so it'll it'll tell you that um, that when I expect him to run well, that that the guys can pick one of those up and and run it on the West Coast uh, just as well. We we don't necessarily run the big blocks that they run on the East Coast. Uh, you can, but you don't have to. We typically run on shorter tracks. Then, uh, then on we go at the big yeah, five eight. For sure. Um, so it, it's a different, uh, it's a different beast. We don't have the uh, articulating wings, but they're fine to run. And like I said, anybody who's got a Isma car and Oswego car, uh, welcome to run with us at any time. How do you keep? How do you keep everybody equal with all of the different motor configurations and wing sizes and styles or whatever? How how do you? sort of take that open competition idea um, and and make sure that everybody has an opportunity to compete. Yeah, keeping keeping the track size relatively short is an equalizer because <clears throat> in, a, in a tight quarter mile like Meridian, um, all that horsepower doesn't necessarily buy you a whole bunch. Yeah. You, you can get a 360 that's well-tuned to get power to the ground and compete very well. With uh, with a bigger block, it's going to be lighter. It's going to be more responsive, um, and and basically keeps you keeps you equal to the uh, to the power generated by a big block. So how do you see this working out at the bull ring? Um, you know, with all of the different styles of cars, throwing in obviously the East Coast uh, Hawk Junior car that uh, Dave will bring out. Um, you know, how do you how do you see all of that uh, meshing together in terms of who's going to be competitive there? Um, and how does uh, it, that's one question? Then I guess the second one that you could you could follow that up with is um, tell me tell us more about the tire situation too, because of course you know. And the East Coast here, we've got one tire uh, manufacturer, and that's it. Yeah, so so we'll handle the uh, the, the tire first. That, that, that's easier. Um, we're going to run Hoosier Tires. Hoosier Tires sponsoring Davey Hamilton Jr.'s open wheel sh- uh, showdown. Okay. Uh, so we've told everybody to purchase their tires from Hoosier Tire West, which is located in Fresno, California, or very close to Madera. Uh, either pick them up if you're local or uh, get your orders in ahead of time and they'll bring the tires to the track. Uh, but again, you can run any size and any any softness compound you want as long as it's a Hoosier for this race. Um, for any of our normal speed tour races, it's any tire you want to run. Um, 
and we don't spec the size. Uh, we don't spec the stagger. Everybody comes up and tries to uh, build a better mousetrap. So relatively interesting. And it, and it has worked well so far. And relative to, you know, how do I think it's shaken out in, is going to shake out in Vegas? We did run Super Modifieds last year. Brian Schaefer ran an open competition race in, uh, in December last year. Had about 16 cars. Uh, Brian Worf, who's really been the dominant uh, car for us over the last year or so, won that race. Um, but there were a lot of uh, high-quality cars. I expect there to be a lot of high-quality cars this year. We run a, um, a full invert, uh, and, it's, and it's based on the proximity you are to fast qualifier. Uh, depending on the track, depending on the number of cars, it'll be uh, either a sec. You got to be within a second in the fast qualifier, or maybe a second, third, or fourth. We, you know, Bill Birdsell does a great job of checking times during uh, practice, and then we'll set the uh, we'll set the invert accordingly. You know, we don't want a situation where somebody lays down a really hot lap and you only have a three-car invert. Uh, so we have that flexibility that we'll tell the drivers at the driver's meeting. But in a 40-lap uh, race, just enough time to uh, and, and laps that if you uh, hit it too hard too early, you can burn your tires off, uh, but not so long that, uh, that we're going to stress the equipment. You know, we're not to the point where the East Coast guys are where we could run a 200-lap race, and as we go yet, uh, we're a bit away from that. But in a 40-lap sprint, if you will, um, I think it's anybody's ballgame. Well, of course, most of the races are going to swing, although I, I guess I can't say that now because there are a lot of uh, 75s and, and, and longer or whatever, but, um, you know, 40 to 50 laps is generally the distance um, there during the season. And, of course, the classic is 200 and has always been sort of the endurance test, right? And uh, um, so, but that's interesting. I, I absolutely love the open competition idea and i and i feel like um being able to mix and match the tires in different ways is also very intriguing because it allows people to you know try different combinations and innovate and and you know work with different setups and such and um so i'm going to be fascinated to uh to watch this and to see how you know how it uh, comes off at uh, the showdown, and uh, to to learn more about it and get to know more about it as we go. Um, you know, we want to do as much coverage of what's happening out your way as we do on the East Coast, provided that we can get the content and get um, you know get the uh, the people to do it. Um, and it it really seems like you're you're kind of at uh, that tipping point now where. It looks like super modifieds could once again become um, one of the uh, top short track classes out there, and I know it's a different environment too because you know there's not quite as many uh, pavement tracks, say in California, as uh, there are elsewhere. Uh, well, though you've got you know the tracks in Idaho and in different states uh, out there but it's not as prevalent it doesn't seem like to have asphalt uh, short tracks out that way as it is here on the east coast 
Yeah, it, it, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, you've got uh, a number of tracks on the uh, down in Southern California. You've got Irwindale and Kern County are two yep. big ones. Stockton and Madera in uh, in the Central Valley, Lakeport, um, Shasta, in uh, in Northern California. So the, okay. the tracks are out there. there. There's not as many as there used to be, but the tracks are out there. Um, they just haven't had very many um, either open wheel or certainly super modified races uh, in the recent years. So we're okay. hoping that back. So. Uh... It's exciting to, to see what, what uh, could happen at the showdown in the number of cars and, and you know, just over the moon to see Trigero and, and Davey Hamilton um, bringing that car back. That's awesome. Um, if someone wants to reach out to find out more information about uh, the Speed Tour or what's happening with uh, West Coast Supermodified Racing, where do they go? Well, I would check out our uh, our, our Facebook page. Uh, the, the official uh, page name is Super Mod Reunion Dash JP Memorial. Super Mod Reunion Dash JP Memorial. That's the official page. So everybody, go follow that and give it a like and uh, keep up with what's going on and uh, appreciate the time that you've taken to, to spend with us here. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like us all to know about what's happening out there with the Supers? No, just again, I want to thank uh, those promoters. You know, uh, first Kurt and, Kurt Kern and Adam Nelson, without them, we would, we would not be in the position that we are in. Um, you've got uh, Kenny Shepard, who's been great at uh, Madera Speedway, bring us back to uh, to run with them this past year. Uh, Davey and, and Larry for everything they're doing to uh, to help us become relevant again and uh, incredible. Uh, it's just uh, a, a great time for us. Uh, Brett Cool, Terry Benson who help uh, Bill Birdsell, our, uh, our race director and, and all the all the teams. The owners, the drivers, the fans, the families. What, what's amazing to me is you will see a, a family like the Casters, uh, Richard and Cody, uh, and their wives and their kids and their uncles and their parents, uh, all coming together, make it a big family event. Um, Ricky and Brian Ott's father-son uh, duo. You've got Jim Burgess, who was... Uh, Cam- campaigns uh, like no other to uh, to support the series and, and all the drivers who uh, who put it out there and all the owners and the sponsors that uh, that make it happen. So th- thanks to all of them, and we're going to do our best to put on a good show for uh, for everyone at the Open Wheel Showdown and uh, set you up nicely for that hundred lap uh, sprint car main event. Should be a fantastic time. Again, Speed Sport 1 is where you can watch the live stream um, of of the entire Open Wheel Showdown program. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, Mark Pasquale, thank you for joining us on The Groove. We will be back with more of the show in just a moment. Hey there, barbecue enthusiasts. Are you tired of boring sauces that leave your taste buds snoozing? Well, I've got something that'll make your mouth water and your ribs shout for joy. Wiggity Wayne Sauces. 
Wiggity Wayne Sauces brings you a complete line of barbecue sauces, ketchups, and rubs with flavors from mild to wild. They've got everything you need to take your grill game to the next level. Picture this. Juicy, succulent meat slathered in their mouth-watering habanero sauce, giving it just the right amount of kick. Or how about some lip-smacking, kicking hickory sauce that'll transport your taste buds straight to Flavortown. But wait, there's more. They've got apple pie moonshine sauce that'll have you thinking grandma's cooking up dessert on the grill. And for those who like it bold, their Carolina Bold sauce will have you shouting yeehaw with every bite. But hold on to your spatulas, folks. They've got an exclusive offer just for you. Visit wiggitywainsauces.com today and get a mouth-watering 20% off your first order. That's right, 20% off. So don't sleep on this deal, folks. Head on over to wiggitywainsauces.com and let your taste buds go wild with their amazing flavors. Your grill and your belly will thank you. Welcome back to The Groove as we continue and uh, head into our final segment. This segment being brought to you by LaGroff's Pub and Grill of Oswego. And I am just blown away by the fact that Sean Cathcart has actually added now an additional bar. And I I think this is the coolest thing ever, honestly. Um, when I you know when I think back to when Sean started Skip's Fish Fry uh, a good number of years ago now it seems like um, you know that was his first venture into the sort of restaurant industry and he did it so well skips was um absolutely in my opinion the best fish and the best value um in oswego i mean he he gave you the portions were bigger than what most people give and the prices were very fair he had a really interesting menu and um, every once in a while would, would mix it up with something new for a limited time. Um, thought he did all that really, really well. Um, unfortunately it appears as though the location that he chose, um, you know, you were, you were a block off the beaten path, so to speak. So, um, he feels like he kind of suffered a bit, um, you know, with that and eventually, just decided to close the close the bar uh, or close the uh, the the fish uh, place and um, moved on to um, focus on the bar he had bought, Lagroff's Pub. Now, the interesting thing about Lagroff's Pub is that again, Sean was able to completely remodel it, put his unique stamp on it, and and then infuse the food and the atmosphere and all of that with the kind of customer service focus that Sean 
understands that you need. And so he and his staff have turned that into the place to be in the city of Oswego. So it is the preeminent uh, place to hang out for the football games on Sundays with the eight big screen TVs. You've got an amazing menu of uh, a great variety of food, all of it prepared with great care. The burgers are outstanding. Uh, He's got wings, Philly cheesesteaks, all kinds of stuff. And now Fish Fry Fridays, Skip's Fish, is now available at LaGroffe's on Fridays. But there's more news because we haven't had a chance to talk about this yet on the show, but Sean has had another baby, or Barbie, if <laughs> McCarthy's Pub, which is located at 91 Tallman Street. That's on the west side of Oswego, is now under Sean's ownership. And uh, the post that he put up was on November the 15th. It said, after many months of crazy rumors, I didn't hear any of those, but I'm a little far away. I'm happy to announce that I have purchased McCarthy's Pub at 91 Tallman Street. We're a couple months from opening, but in the meantime, we will be increasing the pub's social media presence, share uh, building progress pictures as he redoes the building, menu updates, and various odds and ends. Um, He says not much will change in regards to the look of the building's exterior and interior, but we do need to remedy some safety items along with basic cleanup painting, etc., I want to personally thank everyone that has supported this along the way. I'm pretty darned excited to get things up and running again. Stay tuned. So now you've basically got two locations to go uh, check out the um, the Sean Cathcart way, so to speak, and go uh, hang out McCarthy's Pub on the west side and of course, LaGroff's Pub in the east side. Um, and Sean did say there will be deli sandwiches, proper deli, he emphasized, at McCarthy's Pub. Um, so uh, I'm going to see if we can uh, get Sean on the show here in the next week or two, Between certainly between now and Christmas. Uh, we'll get him on to talk a little bit about this because, you know, Here's a guy who, I mean, he supports Oswego Speedway and Super Modified Racing about as well as anybody does in terms of, uh, you know, businesses because, of course, he's got the uh, infield concession. He's got concession in the grandstand this year. I think he had both a Skips and the LaGroffs, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but um, he really has just gone all out, and he loves racing, loves the Supers, Um I think it's I think it's great that he uh, has now added a second bar, second restaurant bar, grill. Um, and what I love about it is, I think that Sean understands the neighborhood bar and grill aspect, and I think he thinks of it in a lot of the same ways I do. I'm just trying to apply it digitally. You know, Steering Wheel Nation is is. That's what it is. Neighborhood Bar and Grill of Motorsports is what we're, we're building to be, um, where you can come in, comment, uh, like, share, uh, chat with each other, post your stuff, um, you know, and, and we can build these communities out and, and have fun doing it. And we got content 
from all over motorsports so everybody gets to see what they want and you can um, personalize your feeds and all that but I think Sean is is very much of that mindset too with his with Lagroffs it is really a neighborhood pub and and I think you'll probably see that McCarthy's is much the same and when Sean does something he does it well and he puts ultimate care into it and so um i'm thankful that sean has been a supporter of this show for uh since its inception really and um i'm excited for him to now have two locations um so mccarthy's won't be open for a little while yet he's in the process of um cathcartizing it uh and uh but um i think that's going to be awesome so Meanwhile, um, please do support LaGroff's Pub and Grill um, because, of course, uh, LaGroff's is, 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 like I said, a big supporter of Super Modified Racing. Um, so please, uh, please support those who support the show and tell Sean thank you for supporting the show and supporting Super Modified Racing. And tell that to all our sponsors, too, for that matter. Wiggity Wayne Sauce, um, Wayne Henslick, follow them all on Facebook and um support them and thank them and go go um go let them know how much you appreciate the support okay so um i i mentioned earlier that i would talk about uh you know i feel like i'm back in back in grade school what i did over the summer (laughs) any of you ever have to do that what i did over the summer you know you have to you have to stand up in front of the class talk about your summer vacation and you you know, you do a bunch of things. You don't want anybody to know that you did. So you got to make stuff up in order to <laughs> sound like it. Um, but uh, my Thanksgiving is is basically spent doing exactly what I love to do the rest of the year. Um, I got a call back in 2001 from a promoter named Lanier James uh, and Lanier was the promoter of the National Indoor Kart Championship. And he had started it uh, a few years previous on the grounds of the Memphis Fairgrounds in an old pole barn, the indoor dirt kart race. And really it was it was started because Emmett Hahn used to have his at Tulsa every year, big indoor kart race, and he would have that before the micro sprint race that he has. Um, and then obviously before the chili bowl. So he had a big cart race that kind of was the cart iteration of those two shows. Well, he stopped the cart race and Lanier had already started his. So Lanier kind of decided he needed to step his up. So there was a brand new arena in Tunica, Mississippi, which is it's still in the Memphis market just over the border. And Lanier had uh, got my name from a photographer who did a bunch of uh, card events that I announced and uh, recommended that Lanier hire me, which he did. And um, I will never forget that call, nor the first time I walked onto the grounds of the Tunica Arena and just saw go-karts everywhere. (laughs) Now, back then, I think we only had about 12 classes. Um a day. Well, that event, the thing was, is 
that event grew big. Um, and I and I'm I'm telling this story. There is a point to this, other than me just sharing what I did for Thanksgiving, and 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 I'll get there. I promise. Hang on. Um, that race grew, has grown to be the world's largest indoor kart race, um, and the second year that I did it in 2002, I actually went over for I think I was there close to a month. I think in, in, um, and we did all kinds of local media. We were doing, we, we, for a number of years on Thanksgiving morning, we would do good morning Memphis. That was the, um, on Fox TV. That was, you know, uh, I think probably there's a good morning Syracuse on, I don't know, maybe Syracuse doesn't have one, but, um, on the Fox affiliate, most big cities have good morning, whatever, uh, <laughs> And it's just their sort of news magazine show. And uh, we we would have uh, a go-kart and a driver. And then I would go on. And I think Bobby Waltrip was with me a number of years uh, doing that. But we did all kinds of local media, um, radio, TV, uh, some print. It was It got really big to the point where I think around 2000 and five or six, we had 1,542 entries and that was our record. And it stands today. It's been threatened, but it, we haven't broken it. 1,542 entries for two days of go-kart racing. And that was back when we still only had about 12 or 14 classes a day. Now we have 22 because that now in karting, there's at least on the dirt side, um, it's kind of ridiculous. You got three, two or three different kinds of motors. You got your typical light, medium, and heavy weight classes. Then you got, you know, different, um, you got pro classes that are worth slightly more than the non-pros. And you got elite classes that are big. And we had 11 elite classes this year worth 3,300 to win a piece. Um, you know, just so much, it's so much more complicated now. If you're getting into dirt go-karting, um, trying to explain to somebody all the options they have, <laughs> you know, you got clone motors and predator motors and, um, you know, and then you got, we do have a class of champ carts and that grew this year. That was great. They put on great shows both days. Um, you know, and then of course we have the, the, the stock, um, the stock carts, um, small block carts and the small block carts are just i mean huge motors and those and then of course you have the pro unlimited all-stars which is a Roma Chibrun class and you can see you'll see carts with two motors on them you'll see two cycle four cycle wide body style nobody um yeah some of those are 40 50 horse and you're trying to you know to 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 get all that horsepower to the ground on this indoor temporary dirt track that gets built a couple weeks before the event but um, the event has just boomed, and it's we always had, almost always, I think we had uh, from the start, at least of my part of it, from 2001 forward, we had uh, Thanksgiving Thunder that happens at Carnesville in Georgia every year at the same on the same weekend. It's an outdoor show, and now there's one in South Carolina because you know why not have three shows to split. <laughs> split the cart crowd even more. Um, you know, it's, it, um, 
and and yet we're still. I mean, we were at thirteen seventy eight this year. Two years ago, we had fifteen oh four. We almost got the record. But I can tell you, um, and this is the point that I want to make here, other than talking about how much fun it is for me to do. Um, the point of this is is this: the business model that when your James started at Tunica and has continued at Batesville is what is the reason why, or at least I believe it's the biggest share of the reason why we, we get, we consistently outdraw the other two shows. Um, and why we're still, you know, between 12 and 1500 entries every year. And here's what that model is. Lanier's whole mantra is to give back to the racers. So that's done in various forms. And I think big track promoters, big event promoters, big series promoters could take a lesson from, from Lanier in the way that he goes about this. Every single racer that shows up in registration on Thursday, which is when everybody goes in and parks in their pit spots and all that. Now the racing's indoors, but the pits are all outdoors. There's some under roof pitting in a like a horse barn, horse stalls, but um, but that's it. Most people are open air, um, and every, but everybody that 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 shows up, every racer gets a gift bag. So that's the first point at which the racers get something back. O'Reilly Auto Parts is our presenting and title sponsor, and so they provide a bunch of swag, and there's usually some other random stuff in there that Lanier likes to, to dream up every year to be different and give back to the racers. And um, so you get your gift bag. And then each day at the driver's meeting, both Friday and Saturday, you have a whole, it used to be a flatbed trailer. We just call it the, the, the trailer, trailer of prizes. Um, but now they have a six foot white table that they bring out. Um, and, there's a few thousand dollars in prizes each year at the driver's meeting each day that we that get raffled off by pulling tickets at the end of the driver's meeting. So everything from tires to bot, cart bodies to um, gave away a chassis one one or two years, I think, um, to, you know, uh, there's always a giant teddy bear because <laughs> Lanier's. That was the Lanier, you know, and, and the little kids love it. So, you know, if a little kid wins, that's usually the thing he grabs because when you're six or seven, the teddy bear, that giant teddy bear, life-size teddy bear, is uh, more valuable and more entertaining to you than a set of cart tires, right? Um, <laughs> and then um, the grand prize the last couple of years has been a week each day, I might add. Each day's grand prize is a weekend Dolphin Island which is in Alabama. It's a, you know, it's, it, it's a, that's a nice vacation for misses, right? That's, so that's, that's, um, that makes, that makes a missus happy because the family gets to go and chill out for a week on Dolphin Island. It's fun. And so that's the, the next point to get back. But then again, with, with all of these bigger events and, and, you know, a mix of junior and senior elite races. And now he's got a no entry fee race, uh, one for seniors, one for juniors that if you have, uh, 
I don't ex- I don't know if the minimum is two or three, um, but if you've entered two or two or three or whatever the minimum is of paid classes, you you get this one as a bonus, and there is prize money. I think it's I I don't know exactly how much to win, but um, you know, and so it he he really goes out of his way to give back to the racers. His belief is it should be more than you know winning big money. Because only one person wins that. Um, you know, he's always been about uh, trying to to make for interesting ways to, you know, to give stuff back. So there's, the, you know, you can see a bicycle come out uh, as, a, as a door prize. Or a, I think we had microwaves for a couple of years. <laughs> like he kind of, you know, mixes it up. And each year it's something a little different. And a lot of the sponsors get in on the act and, and donate stuff. Um so it's fun. And I think there's a lesson there. You know, if you're if you're putting on an event, you want to grow an event and, and keep people coming back. First of all, you got to, you know, the event has to be, the racing has to be good. And, and certainly at Batesville, Tunica Batesville, it has been. Um, but, you know, the second thing is that, I think you've got to really focus on the racers and take care of the racers. And um, so it's a fun event to be a part of. Nobody has any idea the work that goes into it. Um, you know, and and a lot of the workers for the event work for, for James during the year. He owns a, a, a past management company that has several locations in the Memphis uh, Mississippi area. I think he might have an office up near Nashville somewhere now too. At least I thought that was a possibility a while back, but at any rate, it's a, he does well. And, and, um, but a lot of the employees do double duty, you know, when it comes time to start working on the cart race, the same folks that are, you know, Scotty Reed, who, who basically is the kind of the, the coordinator of the whole race now, along with Lanier's son, Shane, um, you know, Scotty is, is the top salesman with the past side. So, you know, everybody, it's an amazing thing to watch happen. And, and we have a, it takes a staff of, I think we we're almost to 55 people. I think it's a big giant event <laughs> and it's a lot of work. And I just, it's stunning to see it from the inside to sort of watch and realize how much work goes into putting on an event like that. And it's, it's, you know, it takes the somebody with the right resources, but also with the right business mentality to to make that work. And we've got racers that have come every year to the event, um, you know, or, or most every year. And then you have some, you know, your cart shops will go to ours for a little while. And, then, you know, they go over and run one of the others for a little while and then they come back. And so, you know, but we've... Um, it has really been something to be a part of. It is hard on the voice to do 22 classes a day for qualify two rounds of qualifying and features. Um, you know, you're, you're really announcing those classes, most of them three times, you know, each day. And, um, and I put the same emphasis on qualifying that I do on calling the races because, you know, most of them, the, we take 10 out of the first round, 10 out of the second round. If you got 60 carts entered in that class, there's 40 people going home. So qualifying is a pretty big deal. And it's a hard race to make. And, and Lanier came up with a, a bronze slot machine trophy 
for the first year at Tunica, and that stuck. So the bronze slot's now one of the most prized trophies in that form of karting because it's hard to get. It's hard to win there. You know, track changes from from day to night, changes from day to day, uh, and you know, it's it's a really really tough race to to make and and to win, and it's it's grown into basically a chili bowl like atmosphere, and so. Um, my Thanksgiving and, and, you know, people say, well, uh, I had somebody the other day that, that said, you don't really have a normal Thanksgiving, do you? And I said, well, to me it is, you know, when you do something for 23 years, that's normal. Right. So, um, it's just so much fun and we get our, you know, we get taken care of, well fed, well, um, you know, and it's, it's truly a, a, an amazing event. And if you if you've never seen it, we live stream it every year. It's on uh, Pit Row TV. Actually, does the live streaming. We have a crew from uh, I think they're from the Dakotas uh, area that comes in and and, uh, and and does a great job every year. And then uh, it's live streamed on pitrow.tv and Speed Sport One. And then um, it's. Uh, we have two shows on Mav TV that happen in the spring. So yeah, it's a great event and so much fun to do. Uh, I'm thankful to be able to have done it for this long. Hopefully, I mean, you know, Lord willing, maybe 24 and 25, and then we'll see. I've been 23 years. So, you know, 25 is a nice number. See if we get that far, if the Lord wills it, but um, you know, would be, that would be kind of cool, I think. And I look forward to it every year. I, you know, Thanksgiving, that's what Thanksgiving is now. Um, you know, pre-race promotion and then the race and then, you know, uh, and in the middle you get your, your turkey dinner and all that. So um, I hope your Thanksgiving was was as uh, fun and entertaining as mine was, whatever it was you were doing. Um, it's not that I... You know, I mean, when I was growing up, we used to have about 15 people at our house for Thanksgiving. That was fun. Um, and so I've kind of been both sides of that. I can't imagine now not doing the event. <laughs> you know, it's uh, that is what you do now. So anyways, uh, thanks for uh, hanging in with the show. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed uh, Mark Deepasquale, uh because we're going to try to get Mark more involved here and keep up with the West Coast stuff. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, and I'm looking forward to this weekend's Open Wheel Showdown. I, I pray that it's a successful event. The weather will hold out for Davey Jr. I, I know what it's like. Um, we we did an ISMA show at Shimong the year I was there. And, man, it it was a terrible day. It it was it rained everywhere but at the racetrack, and it threatened rain all day. It was black. Um, great race, but, um, no crowd, you know, it's just, uh, I know, I know what it's like to, to, to bust your butt and then not get the result that you want. And so my, my prayers are going out to Davey Jr. and his staff, because that's a big undertaking and you, you never know people say they're going to run and they don't. You know, every excuse in the book or whatever. So, you know, I hope it's a good weekend for Davey and, and the staff. I hope that uh, any of our fans that are out that way, I hope you'll you'll actually go support it. 
you know, even if it looks like rain, go. Um, because, you know, obviously, <coughs> go. Because obviously attendance is important. It's nice to have the live stream, but, you know, go to the track and, uh, and, and buy the ticket, buy some food and whatever and support it. Cause we want to see two, three, four, five, six and onward. And hopefully it gets a little bigger every year. So, uh, anyway, thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, looking forward to some post race coverage of the showdown next week. Um, and we've got, uh, We've got some stuff coming that'll be fun. So uh, excited to to dive into the off season here. And now that the holidays are here, um, hope everybody is can be festive and and enjoy them. And um, you know, I I uh, for me, uh, if it were up to me, we'd be playing Christmas music and have the lights all year round because it seems like people just are happier, <laughs> you know, and. Uh, in these times. So, um, I mean, I don't know about all the ho, ho, ho Santa stuff in the middle of the summer, but, um, certainly to me, the more, um, the more faithful side of the Christmas music set, um, you know, those messages are worthy year round. So thanks to all of you for uh, listening. Thanks to our sponsors. Of course, we appreciate each and every one of you and look forward to episode 138 of the Inside Groove Supermodified podcast. Much to discuss next week. I saved a couple of things on purpose to keep the time down a little bit. Um, But uh, we'll be back next week with another Inside Groove. Until then, I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening, everybody. And have a blessed week. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.